0: Tired of nagging yourself to get a website for your artistic career already? Radportfolios.com creates affordable, custom websites for artists. Use our special code HUSTLE, H-U-S-T-L-E, for half off your website startup. Radportfolios.com, so you can get back to getting more. I
1: think, that creates, I think creativity and expression is important. I think everyone, and I've said this about stand-up, and, and other stand-ups will crucify me for what I'm about to say, but I think everybody is an artist on the inside. Okay, that is this thing. We are expressive. We are creative. We need to paint. We need to draw. We need to sculpt. We need to write a book or a play or a sketch or tell a joke or perform uh, on a stage. We all have that in us. It's just that some of us more readily access it and express it, but we all have that thing, so it's very important. So much so that I think everyone should do stand-up.
0: Welcome to episode 71 of the Hollywood Hustle Podcast, where this week we'll be continuing to share the stories and struggles of a stand-up comedian, actor, and producer, and how he is climbing the ladder of success and surviving the city of dreams, Los Angeles. Thank you so much for joining us this week, guys. I am your host, Daniel Tuttle, and here at Hollywood Hustle, we're continuing our conversation this week with stand-up comedian and creator of several Los Angeles comedy shows, including historical roast and fixture roast, Eddie Firth. Thank you so much for joining us. We were so happy with how Act One turned out and the the amazing stuff that we were able to discuss with Eddie from his starts in stand-up comedy and, and living on the East Coast, and then how he kind of transitioned over to Los Angeles and also talking a little bit about the Me Too movement and what it means for uh, redemption and and uh, uh, forgiveness in this new kind of thing that we're looking at because, you know, it's so hard to, it's so easy to blanket judge and just say, we're done with you. But I think, you know, like a court of law, you look at each case separately. And I think that's something we have to start looking at is how, what is the, way for these people to earn our trust back to come back into society like i said and celebrate former gang members who come out of prison and and start clubs for to keep kids out of gangs so you know what's the what's that version in this new you know thing that we're tackling you know what is that and so i think that's something that we can continue to discuss so feel free please to email us at hollywoodhustlepodcast at gmail.com with your thoughts on the me too movement and people who have have had these accusations come at them, what they need to do for that redemption to kind of be able to continue in this business. So we'd love to hear uh, your thoughts on that as well. Today in Act 2, you're going to hear about Eddie's start here in LA and how with a lot of his thrival jobs, he felt like a fraud. We discussed the joy we have about living in Los Angeles and whether we could see ourselves doing what we do anywhere else. We also discussed supporting other creatives to do the living they love. And finally, we discussed how some of his comedy shows have come to be and his plans for the future. Make sure to stick around as I catch you up with what I'm doing. Michael can join join me today in person, so you'll hear some clips from him on where his life is going and what he's up to this last week. And we'll also share some support statements to help you get through the week. Well, that's enough of me. Now. Let the hustle begin. Hello, everybody. Welcome back. We are still here with comedian actor Eddie Firth. He also runs hosts the uh, historical and fictional roast at Nerdmelt, as well as the correct title, Jokers and Aces. Welcome back, Eddie. Man, what a week it's been. It's, it's been crazy. I crazy. All those new accusations that have come out. <laughs> uh and also with me is my personal heckler, Mr. Michael Lutheran. And Eddie's still wearing a beautiful bow tie. I should have changed it. He's wearing all fifty six. Sixty three. Sixty three? I don't know numbers. He he just stayed on my couch this whole past week. <laughs> he didn't leave. He didn't, he didn't leave. leave. <laughs> He's still in the same shirt. He smells yeah. terrible.
1: I think I smell pretty good for a week.
0: <laughs> for a week, yes. Uh so Eddie, uh, when we last left off, you mentioned that you feel like your your uh, official anniversary uh is the you know, the the first show in LA, November, I believe, 15th. Um so I just want to talk about that that uh decision to move to LA, um and the process that you kind of went through with that. Uh when would you say you you went I am moving to LA and then from that moment to setting foot in LA what was the time span
1: Mm. that's a good the time span of moving to LA I will like any like any storyteller who talks too much I'm gonna go back just just a bit before that
0: when I was three
1: (laughs) at age two so I had been living in Connecticut my whole life um, one foot in Manhattan. That's where I got all my training. I'd done theater festivals in New York. I'd, uh, I'd done just about everything, you know, every class you could take. And one day I, I was sitting at home. I was smoking a joint. I hope I don't offend anybody by that idea.
2: We're in California, it's legal.
1: And I was blowing the smoke out my window and now I dropped.
0: That I can't handle. <laughs> How dare you, sir?
1: And I dropped the joint behind my desk accidentally and so I got down on all fours to get it and as I reached under the desk the keys to my brother's apartment in New York my brother still lives in the same apartment in the city he's lived there since he was in college he's a few years older than me four years older and I I didn't think I had the keys at all anymore let alone in the apartment I was living at in in Connecticut at that point point. and I had been considered it was a point in my life I'd been considering moving to New York and I was like maybe I should move to New York But if I were honest with myself, I was not fully committed to doing it. I was still living that kind of in-between life. And i had never really just fully committed to doing it. And I'd been considering moving to New York. And I was like, I should make a plan. I'm going to make a plan. I'm going to save up. And I got down on my knees and I went to reach for the joint. And there was a set of keys. And it very clearly, it was one of those. It was a sign. I was like, this is the sign. Just move. What are you waiting for? Move to New York. If you're going to do it, what do you have to prepare just do it. I was, I'm very, I'm, I'm Buddhist. I, I study Buddhism and I'm very Zen in that way of like, um, people adapt to their surroundings the way water fills a glass. You have a bottle of water, you pour it into a glass. It doesn't hold the shape of a bottle. It, it becomes the shape of the glass. So if you want to do a thing, you have to go do that. And then you become that thing. That's how you adapt. And so I moved to the city and I was still working as a personal trainer though. I worked at an Equinox. I wasn't running a gym like I was out here because I felt, I felt like I, was, I wasn't being honest to either side. And so when I was in New York, I got that same feeling. I wasn't being honest to either side. I was still living the life of a personal trainer. You have to, personal training is a full-time job. Mm-hmm. And working at an Equinox on the Upper East Side in Manhattan is some personal trainers dream job. And I was doing it as my backup. That was my support system. And so at some point, I was just like, I need to do it. What really started to drive me was my sister, who's six years younger than me, was at Temple University where she met her now husband. And he's a filmmaker and they were getting ready to graduate and they were going to move to L.A. And I will tell you, I've said this to her. It was one of those moments where when they said that, I was like, wait a minute. If Missy can move to L.A., I can move to L.A.
0: (laughs) Anything you can do. Complete yeah. like
1: sibling rivalry <laughs> obstinacy where I was like, wait a minute, if she's doing it, I can it was one of those things where LA was this this almost fictional world in my head. I had this weird idea that I would only go to LA when somebody knew I was gonna get off a plane in LA. Like when there was a meeting I was gonna take or an agent I was gonna meet or a job I was so there was gonna be something. I will tell you that moving to LA was a combination of seeing that my sister was gonna do it, grounded it into reality as like anyone can do it. Now, the analogy I use is very simple. Um, I've never said this to my mother, but it comes from my mother. My mother, my whole life has told me that one of her biggest goals in life is to live by water. She wants to live by the beach. She wants to live on a a lake. She wants to live somewhere by a large body of water. It was around this time in my life, smoked a bunch of weed, did a lot of yoga, got into Buddhism. And that's when I realized my mom wanted to live by water her whole life, but water never moves. The beach doesn't move lakes don't move. If you want to live by water, you know what you should do? You should fucking move and live by water. And so this whole time I was, I was half in and half out. And I was like, no, it's time. Either you're going to do this or you're going to not. You're going to go full bore. You're going to dive in head 1st You're going to do everything you can think of. You're going to go for it or, or you're not one or the other. And with all of those things, I was just like, I'm going to move. And so June or July of 2012 or 2013. Oh, what It's 20. I've been out here four and a half years. So it was 2013 that I moved. So June or July of 2013, I quit my job at Equinox. I knew I was going to be moving. I saved up what little money I had. I moved in with a girl who I was dating at the time who wound up coming and living out here with me for a little while before she moved back to Connecticut when we broke up. And on November 14th of 2013, I got on a plane with a one-way ticket and a bag full of clothes, and my sister picked me up at the airport. They were already out here. I lived on her couch until January 1st, where I moved into a one-bedroom apartment on Franklin and Gower with seven other guys. Mm -hmm. We were all living on air mattresses. Uh, We were outnumbered by bedbugs. It was not a matter of if I was going to get bit at night. It was how many bedbug bites I was going to get.
0: That was Michael, if, if you were wondering who that
1: was. I say that because I'll be honest. So Chris Jericho has this great saying where when people ask him, how do you achieve your dreams like or things like that, he always says, I'm not going to tell you you can't do it like, because I did it. I can only tell you that you can do those things because I did it. I went from being a kid who wanted to be a rock star and a wrestler to To a grown-up who's a rock star and a wrestler.
0: I really was hoping you'd say something that was like, you know, Chris Jericho always says, I'm the Ayatollah of rock and roll. (laughs) And I'm like, what is it? What? (laughs) It's like just this nonsensical quote that means nothing to this moment.
1: So I always make sure to point out that there were at 29 when I moved out to L.A., which is late for a lot of people, there are hardships, there are struggles. But at every point along the way, I said to myself, is this, is this the thing that's going to make you quit? At 29 years, you gave up everything and everyone you ever knew to come do this thing. Fair question, Eddie. Living in an apartment with seven other guys on an air mattress that's a one bedroom with bed bugs biting you every night. Is this the thing that's going to make you quit? And I was like, no, this is not enough. It has to be worse than this. Um, so November 14th, I fly out. I believe it was a Thursday. I can almost guarantee it was a Thursday because Friday was November 15th, and I went to Tau Comedy Studio. I've actually never been back, which is odd. It was my very first open mic. I did a set. It was pretty good. Um, I don't remember it. I probably have it saved on an iPod or Apple iTunes somewhere. I probably have it if I go look it up. That was my very first open mic in L.A. Um, Did a bunch of little things. By the first... Of the year at some time that that fall, I got a job doing calling bingo at the Rustic. You guys know you Rustic in uh, over in Los Feliz. OK, yes. Used to call bingo there. I've met uh, I think I let met Lady Gaga there, but I couldn't tell. <laughs> um, I started going to open mics and going to open mics in L.A. is where I like that's when I say things. Change. That's why I say like November 15th would be the anniversary, because that's what triggered me to start doing open mics here. And the scene here was much different in New York. For me, I I know that other people see it differently and other people had great success growing up in New York as comedians. I needed LA. Uh, Things really changed out here for me.
2: And I just confirmed on Google Calendar and the 14th was a
1: Thursday. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, that's my time. Thank (laughs) you.
0: Nailing it, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) The man, the myth, the legend. Um,
2: So um, I also know that you're an actor. So were you also trying to pursue acting and not just stand-up comedy out here. Were you trying to get agents, taking acting classes as well? Um when you when you got off the plane
1: and we're in Los Angeles. Yes. Yes. Yeah. The other thing was as I've grown as a performer and an entertainer, as a, as an actor, as a stand-up, as a now producer and director, as a writer, as I've grown, I realized there's no there's no one path, there's no one answer. It's incredibly difficult to call a shot. Like this is incredibly difficult to call your shot and Babe Ruth it and say, "I'm an actor. I'm gonna go out and get that role." Like that's insane. You have to do all of the things, right? And back in the day, you were called a triple threat. You were a song and dance guy. You were. When I came out here, I was like, I do it all. I do these things. Whatever lands is what I'm going to do. But I hear are my. T- I above everything else, and again because I was doing other things, I was like, no, I just want a job in the business. I almost didn't care if somebody wanted to make me a writer on staff at a TV show, if people wanted to make me a featured role, if somebody wanted me to do stand-up, if they wanted me to be a warm-up uh, for, you know, because they do TV studio it, you want me to be a warm-up for that, I have dreams, I have things that I really want to do, right, I have a goal in each category, as an actor, this would be my ideal, and as a stand-up, this would be the thing that I really want, but at the end of the day, I just want to work in this business, playing pretend, making things up, being creative. I think that my greatest value is in being creative and entertaining people. Now, what avenue it is? Sure, I have some preferences and I have some areas I think I excel. In some areas, like right now, I do a lot more stand-up than acting. So there's areas I'm more practiced in. But they all go together. They're all interrelated and they all boost each other and help them ultimately. If I were to get a role on a sitcom, my stand-up bookings go up. And the more, if, if my stand-up takes off and these shows do really well, then my ability to get cast in other things also increases. Once you get into the business of it, you understand even more like, oh, they're all, yes, people in this business sometimes want to categorize you. Oh, he's a stand-up. Oh, he's an actor. Well, that's a writer, not of this. It, but at the end of the day, they're all related. You, they're all necessary. And I came out here with the intention of just working. I didn't care what it was. I just wanted to work.
2: And, and so where did you start working? Um, you know, there's, we all have a bunch of side hustles. I know you're a wrestler as well, and you also work at Universal Studios. So when, so what, what was your system, I guess, when you started?
1: When I first came out here, I was, <laughs> and I, I, I feel guilty about this all the time. I was uh, responding on Actors Access every day like clockwork. Every day I was on Actors Access. I would go to Craigslist. I would look at every site and submit for everything and then go out and do open mics all night. And that was pretty much the system of the you know I, you go in a audition then during the days I remember it blew my mind my one of my very first auditions was for a small student film that I ended up booking and I walked in with this makes me laugh so much I walked in with like an eighth of weed in my pocket auditioned <laughs> with that John with was it the John Ham story no it was a bit that I used on stage about being in New York city and seeing a wedding party, taking photos. And then there was a homeless guy who interrupted the photo shoot, but he was standing next to me. So I got associated with him. And then I was the crazy one, but I turned this bit that I use on stage into basically a monologue, just kind of pull some of the jokes out a little bit. Try not to go for the last, but tell the story booked it. And I walked out going like, so this is LA I could get used to this. Like, <laughs> so that was my, my regular, um, you know, post on or uh, submit through Actors Access, go through Craigslist if there were any interesting bookings. That's where I got the job at Yeet Rustic. They paid $50 in cash. I could usually get a drink or two and some French fries. Uh, So every Wednesday night, I would call bingo at at the Rustic. Every Thursday morning, I would go and buy like 10 or 20 bucks of cheap weed. I would go to Trader Joe's, get a cheap bottle of wine and a bag of potato chips. Like, I ate nothing. I had nothing going on and I would just go to open mics constantly cuz every night you can go to you can go to five mics easily on any given night not pay a dollar to perform get 20 to 30 minutes of stage time work out jokes edit them rewrite stuff we one of my one of my good friends Jeff Carazales calls it the trail of tears there used to be three open mics that you could hit in a row You'd you'd start at Sal's Comedy Hole, sign up, go to Rock Paper, sign up, go to Mel's, sign up, go back to Sal's, do your set, go to Rock Paper, do your set, go to Mel's, do your set. Boom, that was your first three. And then you could go on with the rest of your night. And little by little, you start to broaden your circle. You go to this mic there, that mic there. You meet people. One of my biggest influences I met at Sal's Comedy Hole. This was a moment I point out that really changed me. Because I saw one of my best friends, uh, one of the people that we had on historical roast, the first time we did it, it was in part to book Jamar Neighbors. Um, Jamar's an incredible comedian, and spent a lot of time with him. He's on Comedy Central's Roast Battle. He was in the movie Keanu. Uh, he's done an incredible one-man show recently that I saw. He's he, he's a star. He, if you don't know his name, you're going to know his name in five years. And Jamar told a joke. And this is the difference. This is where things. This is where you have to center yourself. Because I heard this joke, and one of two things could have happened. This could have inspired me to do better, or could have crushed me that I didn't have anything and walk away, being like, "Okay, well, the competition's too big." He told a joke, and immediately I was like, "Oh, so that's okay. I got to write. Okay, if that's what we're doing, if this is the level, then I got to go work." And it did inspire. It was a really good joke, and I quote it all the time, and I tell him I quote it all the time. He goes. Uh, apparently me and God don't have the same sense of humor because apparently God didn't want to know what Michael Jackson would look like as old man. (laughs) And I heard it and I was like, Oh, that's good. That's a twist. I got to go out and I got to work. And it just inspired me to, to write more and perform more and get better. And LA to me is just this incredible. So it's like what I imagined the Harlem Renaissance was like. It's such a concentration of talent that you, you get exponentially better just by being around that talent.
0: Uh, a previous guest I mentioned earlier, uh, Megan Lamantain, said something that I really love, where she's like, "You're a fish around other amazing fish," mm-hmm. and, and and so you have to realize that and then figure out how are you going to become one of those amazing fish. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you, you kind of mentioned how you you saw L.A. and stuff like that. How would you compare it to Stanford or even? new york uh and 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 not not in the sense of just like the stand-up scene but in just living there
1: i i uh i don't foresee myself ever moving out of la i found my home when i got here i read that look on your outline i read the question how has la changed you and that one scared me the most out of all the questions i still don't think i have a great answer (laughs) I think there's a lot of introspection that can come with that, too, of like, shit, did it change me? How am I different? Is it for the better? Is it for the worse? But at the end of the day, I've, I feel like I found myself in L.A. I think that the unique blend of people and expectations, I suppose, the, this city is very incredible. I know a lot of people get down on this city. I came much later in life. I came at 29. I had a whole different life. I could have been so many other things. I could have gotten stuck in any one of those lives. I could still be right now working at the Jewish Community Center in Stanford and doing community theater and live that half-life one foot in, one foot out, and in many ways still be very fulfilled. I could be doing local stuff back in Connecticut and get a fix of performance and get a fix of stand-up and be a local legend and still work a regular day job and probably have plenty of health benefits and tenures and all the other stuff but this place is magical to me. it so much opportunity I again I, this is why I say the Chris Jericho quote because I will never tell anybody that coming to LA is difficult because it is difficult but I only know that I came here and busted my ass and achieved the goal. If I had to stop right now, I still did so much more than I ever thought I would.
0: Well, There's different, you know, between difficult and impossible.
1: It's not impossible to live It's not, it's not like impossible, it's not impossible at all. Like You can do it. You, can, you you want to come here and you want to build a career? You could do it. It's going to take a lot of sacrifice. You're going to have to sleep on some floors. You're going to have to question every day why you're doing it. You're going to have to ask yourself if you're even doing it. I, it's taken me three and a half years of the show to even feel centered like I think what we did was special. It... People don't want to hear this side of it. Having a monthly live comedy show run for three and a half years and 50 shows and multiple venues on both sides of the country, all the things, it still doesn't always feel like I think that I'm sure footed. I don't think I've, quote, made it. I don't think that, I still question all of that other stuff. Yet I forced myself into a place of acceptance of, like, no, dude, you're doing all right. My, You're doing okay.
0: Yeah, you know, I, I, that's so beautiful. The sentiment you you just said, I think like it's tr- like it, it it really hit me. And, and you know, Michael and I again I have had many discussions about just living here and this idea that it's it's difficult, and that's no lie. And that's why we have this show in a lot of ways is to kind of make it maybe a little less difficult or mm-hmm. understanding, maybe. Mm-hmm. But. It's not impossible. I love living in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. And I hear so many people who do hate it. And I respect that. I get that. It's not for everybody. But I love it here. And I'm the same way like your mom. I wanted to live near water. Mm-hmm. I love the ocean. I love going to the ocean. And so, like, it, it's, it is. You want to be there, be there.
1: You want to be an actor, go to L.A. and be an actor. You want to be a stand-up comedian, go do open mics and be a stand-up comedian. And then that's, look, your podcast helps you be creative when sometimes the creative well is dry, Mm -hmm. right? Think about how much infinitely easier it is for you to produce this here than it would be anywhere else. Now, New York may have the resources. Chicago may have the resources. Maybe a Toronto has it where we're talking about other creative beings to be on it. But at the end of the day, the, the access to each other, the people that we've had on our show, the abundance of it. I think about what it would have taken for me to try to make historical roast anywhere else in the world. And I'm like, it's not... It's not at all. It's not the same. I
0: mean, you know, Michael, I'm going to ignore Eddie for a second. The guest, Um, (laughs) Michael, do you think thinking of New York um, and what you know of New York and the staples of New York, Mm -hmm. do you feel because I have a way of feeling on this? Do you feel that we could have the varying amount of guests? that we have had and that we will have, that we have in the pipeline, that we have contacted and talked about, that we have literally listed as possible people to get on the show, even if we haven't you know, booked them yet. Sure. Do you think we could have that in New York?
2: I think it's possible. I mean, I know that it's New York has become more than just Broadway, um, that it is also like a music epicenter as well and stuff. But at the same time, from what I know about, new york there's such a high pace and everyone's just go 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 and no one takes a chance to like
1: it's different than that i only say that because i've lived there and the sheer number of entertainers here versus there is drastically different it doesn't support as many people so for instance you had a good friend of a good friend of both of ours but somebody we've now both worked with you had joel ward on the podcast there's not five joel wards out there and look everyone's different so i don't want to be i don't want to be flipping but i i ran a show where we booked magicians as well as comedians. I would not have had enough magicians in New York to book the show as often as here. There is just... Because this is where all the work is. So we all congregate here and then we all help each other out with projects. It is... There are just more people here yeah. who do that thing. So when you talk about number of guests, I shook my head right away. There's just not as many. They're all super busy too because once you're working there, like there's 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 10 people there, there's 100 people here. Yeah, well, you know? I
2: I mean, you just made me think about like the first 10 episodes of our podcast where we literally did have Joel Ward, a magician and then Kim Tillman, a musician. And then we also had a filmmaker and all of these things. And jazz, casting director and stuff. And it's, yeah, I guess if I think more about it, like we're getting a little yeah. misty eyed. Like, well, and you know, like you recently passed 50 shows yeah. and stuff like we're nearing episode 60 at the time uh, of uh, the, this
0: recording. Uh, look at look at the people that we've had on the show that we've published recently and then that we've recorded with we've had a voice actor we have a digital marketing strategist coming that were that's going to be uh, that or that's already been on the show that we've already put out there we we've had TV professional TV hosts who also work for America's funniest home videos we've you know we, we've mm-hmm. had and work for Perez Hilton we it, this is definitely a more varying collection I think of people yeah
2: and I would also something that you said Eddie, is that we support each other. Mm-hmm. Is, is there an experience that you guys have had since living in LA of something that tested your resolve of something that like tested whether you could keep going in this industry or just challenged your life? Um, you know, I, I I can start off with, and yeah. you know, I definitely shared this on the podcast as it was happening and stuff. But last August I fractured my skull uh-huh. and just through like not taking care of myself and just going so hard too for too long and to the point where I just collapsed in the middle of a street in South Central at 1:30 in the morning and I was laying there for like at least a couple minutes um you know Daniel was super supportive like him and Karen were just like Karen, especially like just taking care I of hope me, so. no, like just literally helping me walk from the bedroom to the bathroom, and so like mm-hmm. I, I was just so out of it. I've never been in that state where I wasn't able to really be in control of how I was feeling, and I and that was really hard for me. And the and the months following that, I mean, we're almost coming up a, a almost a year since that happened, but I faced a lot of swings. Um, a lot of depression, And like Eddie, you were there for my birthday party, mm. and you know that was the this, this past February, and that night in particular, I wasn't doing too hot mm. and stuff, and it's it's so it's just been like a constant asking of like what's going on, why why did that experience rock me mm-hmm. so hard? Um,
1: were you this ran? Were yeah. you diagnosed with a concussion after that? Yeah, I I got a concussion. Right before I moved to New York, concussions mm-hmm. are, are fucked.
2: They're they're mild they're,
1: concussions can fuck you up. Yeah.
2: And then, you know, I was in a car accident recently and I've been seeing oh. a chiropractor. And the stuff that he's been doing with me, like, he asked me, like, did you fall recently? Was it at nighttime? And did you fall? And he was able to like kind of narrow it down. Mm-hmm. And but yeah. because just the way my neurologic Mm -hmm. system is working right now and it's it's still impacted Mm -hmm. so i'm almost a year out and i'm still dealing with residual effects Mm -hmm. and but the fact that i've had you know friends like daniel friends like you and you you know just several people where i could just say like i don't know what's wrong Mm -hmm. there's something that doesn't feel right i don't know what it is and you know karen like i was like i don't know what i want to do for my birthday i don't have any plans i don't want to do anything and she's like it's okay we'll just put the word out and who comes comes Mm -hmm. and like but the fact that like you were there and heidi was there it was just it meant so much to me even though that was a night that like i i I wasn't too happy Mm -hmm. at that moment but like i i can also say like now a few months since then like i'm feeling so much better just because of working with artists and just i don't know kind of asking myself those tough questions and finally having enough of the willpower to answer those questions mm. as well how about you guys?
1: You know, for I do a, like inside baseball for people really like how the sausage is made spoiler alert I was I was in your apartment the night that that happened
2: were you the really? Night. yeah, yeah. I was, oh wow
1: because at that point you were still living with Heidi like this yeah. is, I, I, I don't want to like break the illusion here yeah I I'm I am dating I'm now living with Michael's good friend who he was living with at the time, Heidi. That's hot how news, we know you. Hot news. Right? <laughs> and so I was at your apartment the night we got, you got, you fainted. We were woken up and we were trying to, we, know, can we do anything? Can we help? What do we yeah. do? Like, um, I can relate to injuries and also testing of mortality. Mm-hmm. Right. When I got my concussion, I was, it was, I got my concussion in a January, and in March, I tore my meniscus in my knee. So I was just recovering from a concussion when my knee tore out. And this weird moment of recognizing, like, oh, God, that's right. They said my body would start to break down at some point. <laughs> and the concussion is tough. A head injury really messed with an emotional and mental state as well. I'd love to hear that you had work. That helped you through it because I think that creates, I think creativity and expression is important. I think everyone, and I've said this about stand-up, and, and other stand-ups will crucify me for what I'm about to say, but I think everybody is an artist on the inside. Okay. That is this thing. We are expressive. We are creative. We need to paint. We need to draw. We need to sculpt. We need to write a book or a play or a sketch or tell a joke or perform uh, on a state. We all have that in us. It's just that some of us more readily access it and express it. Mm-hmm. But I think it's super important, pardon, that everyone recognize that they all have it in them. There's no, it's not like I'm a comedian and then there's a dentist. The dentist has that thing in him too. They just haven't figured it out or don't express it in the same way or or it comes out in their teeth. It's all different. But we all have that thing. So it's very important. So much so that I think everyone should do stand-up. Now I am not saying that everyone is built to make a living as a standup. That's very different. But I want to see all of my friends do stand up first because it's something I could relate to where I'm like, Oh, that's what they would do up there. That's interesting. But also because, because of that art form in particular, I want to hear what your thoughts are. You go, it just kind of zeros you out. It is you in a microphone. It's your thoughts and ideas. Go, let me see what you got.
0: I, 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 I feel a lot with what you're saying, just because I've, I've had the same way thing with like writing yeah. If someone says like, "Oh, I've thought about writing a screenplay, or I've thought about writing poetry, or anything," I'm I, I'm I'm the same way in that where I'm like, "Do it. I want to read it. I want to see yeah. what you have to say. I want to see how you see the world and how you see conversation yeah. and how you see interaction with other people." It's the same with like acting. If somebody says, "I want to be actor," it's the same. Way. I want to see how you interpret the world. I don't yes. want to go see Michael on stage because he he's, he's just a good actor. I want to see how he interprets that moment or this moment or this relationship or, or this script that that's the interesting thing. It's, 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 it's how do you express your yourself? And it's in with this show, it's how do you look at your life here in Los Angeles? Mm-hmm. How do you look at your career? How do you, how do you look at it and go, these are the steps I need to take mm-hmm. because everybody's are different there's definitely commonalities of you need this. You know, we've, we've said it, Michael just said it, you, you need support here in Los Angeles. And we will say that continually until it becomes numb and ingrained in everybody's brain. I, mm-hmm. uh, I, I had friends that already lived here, but honestly I would probably have to say like meeting Michael and a few other people that I still talk to Kevin you know, Thomas and, and so many people like, that made living here even more mm-hmm. bearable sounds like negative but even better mm-hmm. just because he he's not from my old life mm-hmm. in a lot of ways he is the new life that People i live who don't
1: come here don't understand that's another thing like because the age old story is are you going to stay on the homestead are you going to stay on the farm mm-hmm. or are you going to leave and see what's out go there go to that big city yeah right are you going to travel to new lands and see what else this is literally a tale as old as time I I don't know about this whole a beast capturing someone and keeping the prisoner as as old as time but talking teapots yeah (laughs) I mean that's
0: in every story yeah Michael Michael is my talking teapot
1: But at the end of the, that is what it is. Back in 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 ancient times, it was: Are we going to stay with the family and the place that we know? Or are we going to go off and chase the horizon and see what's out there where we don't know it?
0: And are you going to stay what, with the tribe or go out and find your own way? And the
1: people who choose to leave are in a very different category than the people that choose to stay. And there is not one better or worse, although leaving is better. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, there's not one better, but there is one better. There's,
1: but at the end of the like there is something to be said. You didn't grow up in LA, right? You didn't grow up in LA, Michael. I didn't grow up in LA. We all relate to the idea that we left everyone we knew, the comfort of our families, our homes, uh the 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 taco shop that we knew to find a taco shop we didn't know.
0: You know, it's funny. I've been here for as long as you have, four and a half, actually 5 years cuz my 5 year was just last week. Cheers. Um but like you saying all that, like the same Nervousness literally just popped up to me yeah. that I had when we got in the car and started driving out of Dallas. Oh my God. Like when you were saying that, like leaving your friends, like the, like literally just the same, like, what are we doing? Like, <laughs> what, what, are we crazy?
1: My moment was in the airport. And the girl that I was dating at that time, who wound up living out here, her name was Emily. She had moved out here a little later. I'll tell you that because my first year was my struggle. I'll tell you about that one okay. in comparison Please to dear. your head injury. Um, this is bad. No, that one that was good. No, Fainting and is really good, is good. though. Yeah, that's you're good really one. up there. <laughs> she drops me off at the airport. I have a big, a huge duffel bag. And I go to check in and they weigh my duffel bag. And they're like, it'll be $230 to check the duffel bag.
0: Ooh. And I had
1: this moment, and my moment was simple. I was like, well, what the fuck am I gonna do? I can't, I can't I have to get this stuff. This is literally all I was gonna bring was one bag's worth of stuff. My ride is literally already gone. I have to check into my flight and get, there's no second option. So out of the, I'm not shy about this. I think I, I think I had saved like three grand or $3,500. It was not a lot in comparison to what you would need out here to start. Um, but again, it was one of those, what plan do I need? Go out and make it happen. Uh, what am I going to do? I was like, I had to spend the 250 bucks to check the bag. And it was the first moment of like, that was the dread of like, well, what, oh shit,
0: Los Angeles is already costing me a ton. <laughs> exactly. and I'm not even there. But yeah. I also
1: felt completely alone and stranded of like nothing else in Connecticut and New York was was mine anymore. I was I had this one-way ticket. I was leaving in three hours, two hours, whatever, however long I showed up to the airport. Like everything else was in front of me. But here I was with this problem of what else am I going to do? I have no choice but to check this bag and just do it and go. And move. I'll be honest. I don't even think I had a credit card at that time. All I had was cash in my life. like. I had a debit card, but I had no credit card. I just had the debit card. I was like, here we go. Like this is yeah. it.
0: I, I want to hear your story about your first year. I do. I do. I, I want. I do want to ask this question because this kind of relates a little bit what you just said. And, and Michael, this is for you as well. Mm-hmm. Michael's been here six years. I've been here five years. You've almost been here five years. You just have a little bit more to go.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, come on, man. I should probably. <laughs>
1: I'll probably make it to November. Who knows? <laughs> he,
0: he he leaves the day on the fourteenth. <laughs> uh, on the thirteenth. When you go home now, <laughs> go ahead. Let me phrase: When you go back to your former home, yeah,
2: thank um,
0: you. When you go to Stanford or you go to Vacaville or just the Bay Area in general, um, no, I
2: go to Vacaville.
0: <laughs> Don't have to dress it up. Just, <laughs> <laughs> when you go to that big area with the small city, um, and this this is a hard question to get. I think to get what I'm asking is like: How do you feel? Like. What is it? Completely out of place. I feel completely of out of place.
1: Yeah. Um, I was in I was in Connecticut and New York three times last year. I was very fortunate in that uh Heidi and I had planned a trip so that she could meet my mother. Aww. We went out for just a week and hung out in New York and Connecticut. Hot break, hot news. <laughs> um later that summer, my sister got married. She was originally gonna get married in Oregon, so we were gonna go up there, but then she changed it to Connecticut, like almost last minute. Great, thank you, Missy. Um, so we flew back for that. And then I was very fortunate. Fictional Roast got um, invited to perform at UCB in the East Village. And so we went out there for a fictional roast. Congratulations. Thank you. It was, it was a sellout. It was a Comedy Central retreat. So the, the footage got submitted to Comedy Central Wow. Um, as like an unofficial pitch. We sold out so much that I had to legitimately sneak my friends and my father in. That's like fantastic. they didn't get tickets in advance. They were sold out. I had to like sneak them in and just be like, just go sit down. Go you sit
0: had to down. dress your dad up as a historical figure. <laughs> like we just couldn't get to him today. Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, and this year I'm going at the end of this month. I'll be in Connecticut, New York again. And first off, I love New York. I will always love New York because I always felt like I was partially in New York as it was. So much of my formative years, so many of the things that mattered happened there. Like my first theater festival there was also like a dream come true of like, I finally made it to a New York stage. Um, all of my training uh, uh, acting wise was done there. I've taken classes out here. Steve Easton. you talk, Where do I do acting? I have Steve Easton, Steve Easton, Steve Easton. I, anytime I'm not in class with him, I'm sad because he's brilliant. He challenges me to like broke me as an actor, not because he wanted to. He's not one of those. I'll break you down to build you up, but I got here. I did. It, and I was like, what have I been doing these past years? Like I'm not nearly as good as I thought I was. I need to work. I need to work hard. And it shook me for a little while. I got it. I got the yips for a little while and couldn't deliver a line anymore because I was so in my head. So that's also I just okay. Go do stand up. That's where you're comfortable. Knock them out of the park. Do it. Um, but I feel completely out of place. I walked into because I, I I worked at the JCC, the Jewish Community Center in Stanford, for just over six years. And I went from working at the front desk at the fitness center to running the fitness center. And last summer, I brought Heidi there because I wanted to show her. And I walked in, and the person who was running the front desk when I left was still sitting there. And it clicked. And I was like, oh, my God, nothing has changed. And I walked around the gym and signs. I'm, I'm, I am I'm, want to get teary-eyed when I do this. Signs that I hung Please, up. It's good. It's good. For the, it's good. It's good, good, for good. For the mic. <laughs> signs that I put up in the gym were still hanging there. And I was like, wait, 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 wait it's been a good three to five years since I was in this gym and you still have signs that I put up with people working there that were still there when I, like nothing has changed. And I was like, oh, I made the right choice. Like for me, for other people, and this is not a commentary on anyone else who found the comfort of a life that they enjoy. But I knew for me in that instance, I was like, I would not want to be at the same spot I was. Four years previously, three years previously. Like I needed the different. And now when I go back, I'm just like, I don't fit in. It's too slow. New York is obviously fast. Although I went there and my LA stuck out because I looked at First Avenue. I was like, slow down. What are you guys in a rush for? Where are
0: you going? Uh, I wish people would move faster here. I'm gonna be honest. Calm down. I wish they what were are you, that fast. Like, where people, are you going? people need to stop slowing down Nothing here. Is people got right way now.
1: too slow. And in New York, there was and then in Connecticut, I was like, what do you guys do? Like, where's, What's there? are there open mics? Are you guys going to see a show? Like there wasn't even enough for me to do, you know?
2: yeah, But no, out of place, I, I don't fit in. I'm the same way when it comes to Vacaville. But since I've been living in Los Angeles, the city of Vacaville has been expanding. Uh, it is a town right outside of an Air Force base. So you have a lot of servicemen and women's families, you know, living off base but then it's also right in between Sacramento and San Francisco, and both of those cities' rents keep climbing. So people move to towns like Vacaville, and then they just commute. But what's crazy is they're building more homes, but they're not building stuff to do.
1: You sound—you sound like you remember the Chamber of Commerce up there. Like, who, who, <laughs> yeah, are they paying you for this ad? <laughs> right,
2: right. I know. Brought to you we, by
1: Audible.com. But, but oh, then
2: this is—but then yeah. this is when I get fired. But it's all terrible because it's just like it's creating. So you have more people living in these places, but there's nothing to do. And when I left Vacaville, it it is a beautiful town because it's nestled in this valley and there's green fields and stuff. But now when I go there, it's just houses and houses and it just keeps building out and it keeps building out. And so I don't feel connected to it. It's not the town that I grew up in. And either when I'm there, all of my... Best friends that I would go see—they either live somewhere else, mm-hmm. or you know, they—they they they're live, busy
1: with quote real life.
2: No, they're busy with real life, and and it, and it's amazing connecting with that. But it's just like, even when I'm with my family, it takes like Karen knows all too well. It takes me like two to three days to like decompress and readjust and find what that Vacaville pace is. It, it it's hard. It's hard adjusting, and you know, if there's nothing to do in Connecticut, what is there to do in there's Vacaville? No
1: look. I will admit that I'm guilty of not taking advantage of the culture that's around nearly enough. But in the same respect, it's always there. And when it's absent, this is so dumb. When it's absent, I'm sad it's not there even if I wasn't taking advantage of it. Mm -hmm. I'm more comfortable in LA knowing that I missed out on some shows last night than being in a place staying in where there's no shows that are an option because at the very least, I can go down to the comedy store any night of the week hang out in the back of the room and see friends and and incredible stand up comedians perform any night of the week. Mm -hmm. The other night I was lucky. I was down there. Gerard Carmichael did a drop in set and I caught a couple minutes of it as I crossed through the hallway. Like nowhere else in the world can that happen. Even if I'm going to miss it, I like to know it's there and in Connecticut it's not there.
0: I I, I would say, I mean, it's, it's, it's going to be a trifecta vote. Like it's, it's, you feel it's, it's completely out of place. And, and Dallas is obviously like i think a bigger city than than Vacaville um haha um <laughs>
2: well, i mean it's that's pretty easy
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh but it's it's still for who i am and it's kind of the same i think with all three of us like for who i am what i love to do and you know in a lot of ways and i think this hopefully i think reflects you guys like my passion is part of my of me
1: mm-hmm.
0: like it is me I, I i am not just a guy who likes writing i am a writer
1: i i, I don't do stand-up comedy i am you're, a stand-up you're stand-up. Yeah.
0: yeah and and and, and when some would I, debate that um, and i admit man. i will
1: say i understand if you're listening right now and you said <laughs> eddie you're not a stand-up you're right i'm not i get it you say i'm not, but i'm telling you on the inside i am yeah.
0: and I, for who you are this is that is part of me that is a piece of me yeah um you know i'm 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 also a dad i'm a husband but you know you're a boyfriend and and, and a friend and yeah. and, a, and a collaborator that is who i am mm-hmm. it is a regular part of my daily life mm-hmm. and when i go back it's almost this feeling of i made the right choice mm-hmm. i nothing has changed that would get me back. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, one of the biggest reasons I moved was because there's some filming in Dallas, but it's not Mm -hmm. this hub that you could survive and live and prosper as a, especially a writer, uh, an actor possibly. But like you were saying, like going to shows and stuff, I can go see Michael in a play for $10 or $6. If you use the hustle discount, right? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, $5. (laughs) If you use the word hustle, um, (laughs) Uh, series. So what I did there, yeah. and uh, but there, if I want to go see a play, it's forty dollars. Oh, uh, yeah, and it's yeah. not, and it and it's not the pantages and, and you know a fourteen different celebrities, and it's not you know Hamilton. It's a play that's done in a theater that's gonna be done well. It's mm-hmm. gonna have good Dallas actors in it. I'm not putting that down at all. But it's still forty dollars. Yeah. I can go see a play that Michael's in, or somebody's doing that's after Michael's play. That's actors that are just as good for five dollars or ten dollars.
1: will show at the comedy store five bucks next month. And, ten and, ten dollars a dynasty and, typewriter.
0: And if I want to go see a good, sh- like a high end, elevated touring company of Hamilton or or Avenue Q, I have to pay somewhere up in the hundred and like mm. fifty dollars just for like the cheap seats. Yeah. yeah. And it's like because they're that is what they have to do to make money. Yeah. And and and, and that's and what they have to pay in order to yeah. actually have some type of and, art. and, I, and I'm just saying my my friends have families. You know, we try to see each other when I'm there, but it, it really just feels like I'm a tourist. Yeah. It feels like I'm visiting my own like former home.
2: Also, I feel like there you're a writer, you're a stand-up, I'm an actor. But as soon as I get out of LA People kind of question that, like, oh, you you're a writer, really?
0: And, uh,
2: you, you do stand up, really? That's a thing you can do. Yeah. Kind of that question of like, oh, I can be an actor, but they question that. They kind of question this art form that you've yeah. chosen to pursue a little bit. And granted, there's a lot more important things, and one could say than you know this me doing a play at yeah. the Hollywood Fringe Festival. Of course, there are, but the moment you get out of this space, it becomes in question.
1: It's, we don't fit in in the same way in that same respect. Cause I have a few, I have a few friends who live out here now that are from my hometown as well. There's was an odd number of people from Stanford, Connecticut, specifically there's
0: an Odd number of people from Dallas, Texas. too. We actually, did we're,
1: Texas. we're rock stars in Connecticut because we left Stanford is the biggest small town in the world. Like you don't get out of Stanford. And when you left, there's a weird, there's, there's a double edged sword. First people uh, despise us for having left. We're the ones who left. But we're also superstars because we left because no one else did it. We got out, but it's also like we hate you for leaving. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: In that same vein, something that I discovered I was when I got out here was a producer. Now, in my head, I always knew I would produce eventually because you hear the stories. An actor gets good enough and then they produce something. And I was just like, all right, I'll get there one day. And it wasn't like I became a producer almost before anything else out here. And that's something I discovered because of the community that we had. And I will say of a lot of the things I do, I am I, one of the best things I, I do is producing. So producing the live shows is something I pride is, is a word that can be looked down on, but I take incredible pride in the work that I do as a producer to set up the shows from start to finish. And I, w- I only was able to discover that because of the system that was out here and how I developed within it.
0: Um, I, you know, I, I, I want to keep talking and, and, and <laughs> I, I, we do need to wrap up a little bit. Um, uh, you know, so I definitely want to have Eddie back because I think there's so much more we can talk about stand up uh, writing bits and, and getting shows and and putting your name out there. So I definitely want to have you back, even if it's for something really short or you submit something we can play, because I, I would just love to get more of that. But I do want to hear about, you know, you've mentioned it several times, the historical roast and fictional roast um, uh, and, and jokers and aces. Uh, so just kind of run down those shows, what they are, uh, uh, you know, what what you guys do. Um, and, and, and kind of maybe a little like just how they work.
1: So what's, what's interesting is to any outside observer, that, that's what I would be best known for. That's what you would label Eddie as. Eddie is the co-creator, co-host, and co-producer of Historical Roast and Fictional Roast, uh, which ran at the Nerd, the Nerdist Theater, the Nerd Melt Theater that's had two names, which, is, which was in Meltdown Comics, and Meltdown recently just closed down. Which is also fun. You want to imagine uh, questioning your own identity when the theater that you produce at closes down. What the hell am I going to do next? Existential midlife crisis. So the Nerdist Theater was the first time I ever heard of it. One of my friends who I took acting classes with in the city who also lives out here now, Steph Garcia, who helps run the Ruby in L.A., which is the former Nerdist improv school, which is now the Ruby. Uh, she was like, Eddie, you should check out this Nerdist open mic at the back of Meltdown Comics. I was like, really? What's that? And I went down one day, and it was a Monday, and they used to run it at 7 o'clock. And I remember walking in and being like, it felt like a prize fight. It felt serious and real. There were 50 to 75 comedians signing up for 25 spots. It was a lottery. They were going to the draw them all at the top of the show. And there was just energy. And I was like, this This is what I came to LA for. I wanted to feel this, where there's so many of us excited to perform, gonna get up there, gonna go crush. These are all people I knew from other spots. And it was like, oh my God, this is this is it. I get it now. And I went to the nerdist open mic a couple of times until I went up. And one of the pieces of advice that I got from Dan Levy, Dan Levy is a comedian who works and lives in LA. He's got real credits, he's got specials, real guy, came from my hometown. Um, and when I was moving out here, I was like, any advice. And he was like, well, go to the laugh factory, go to the improv, go to the comedy store, drop off a headshot and resume and tell them you want to work at the door. Just be around it. Work at the door. You can get a job there. Then best case scenario, when a comedian doesn't show up and they need someone, they'll put you up at the worst case scenario. Then you're learning from watching comedians. And so I loved the Nerdist Theater so much that I went up to them, the guys, Kyle Clark, who was running the open mic, and I was like, Kyle, do they have interns or something here? Can I work taking tickets at the door? And he gave me Danielle Kramer's email, who was running it, and I emailed, interviewed, and I became an intern at Nerd Melt Theater. That's how I started. I was volunteering anywhere from three to five nights a week, taking tickets at the door, selling sodas at the concession stand, watching them run shows, getting the theater ready for shows, transitioning from the early show to the late show, just running the theater as a volunteer. And that is, I mean, when you want to talk about what's your best piece of advice or what was the secret, what was the key, it was I was ready to volunteer time at a time when I, had, when I was making 50 bucks a week calling bingo. I was ready to volunteer my time to just be around comedy and the comedy scene. Lo and behold, it's where I met almost everyone necessary involved to get the show that I would end up producing started. Now, again, I didn't have this idea. I didn't come with the idea. I wasn't like I'm going to show up in LA and start a show. Mm -hmm. I showed up and bit by bit, it laid itself out to me. So I'm working at the theater and meeting everyone imaginable. Best part of it was watching working comedians every night and being like, oh, this is what the business is. It's not the business isn't Netflix specials. It's it's the trenches. It's watching these guys and and I say guys overall watching these performers every night. This is what you do. This is how you prepare. Wednesday nights is the meltdown show, and that's when Sarah Silverman would show up, and you'd see what she's like not on television. And then you know I met Tom Wilson who played Biff, and you're like, oh my goodness, he does stand up as well, and just all of these things where you're like, and you're meeting legends and idols and new people who are on the come up, where like. I've known Melissa Villasenor for years now before she was on Saturday Night Live. We're not close friends, but I've worked with her several times and watched her. And I was like, oh my God, that's that's a star. And then you see that they get booked. And you're like, oh, that is a star. Oh, that's, now I get it. In the context of the world, I really am around the people. And so one day, um, I went down to see one of my favorite performers in the world, somebody who I do count as a good friend now, um, Justin Willman who's a magician, was preparing uh, a bit called Sleight of Mouth, which was going to become a Comedy Central show. And it was his pilot presentation, which they aired. Um, they aired two episodes of Sleight of Mouth. It did not get picked up, but it should have been. Uh, he does have a Netflix show now, which is going to come out this summer. So finally, he found his spot. That's another thing I learned was the best in the business can take years to get their thing up and running. Yeah. Eventually, it all works out. I went to go see him do this. He had two shows that night, one at seven and one at nine. And I was like, I'll go. I can get into free shows. I'll go do it. Smoked a joint before, went, saw the first show. One of the interns didn't show up for their shift. So this isn't even someone asking me to perform. They asked me to then work the second show. And so I was like, all right, fine. I'll, I'll take a ticket, whatever you need me to do at the second show. And another intern who was only there a couple months as well, Ryan Pig. We were getting ready for the next show. And Ryan and I were discussing and I think he, the way he tells the story is I asked him like what would you want to see on the schedule here that's not here Clearly in my head I was already producing something mm-hmm. and he, he was like something he suggested roasts or something like that. I was like, yeah what if what if they were like dead people And it was this amalgamation and we just kept like back and forth what if it was dead people? what if it was historical figures? Well how would you set it up and this and that And like we just came up with this nugget of an idea. And at the end of the night I said to Ryan, if we remember this tomorrow morning, if we're still thinking about this tomorrow morning, that means it's a good idea and we should actually explore it. And I woke up the next morning and I still thought of this idea of roasting dead historical figures. And I emailed him almost right away and I was like, all right, let's meet. Let's actually talk about what this would look like. And we sat down, we went to the Panera Bread at, uh, in North Hollywood, mm-hmm. the other one right near the, the, the train station.
2: Uh, Linkersham
1: and Chandler. And we sat down and I had three pages of notes. And Ryan will be like, I was intimidated. He's told me, he's like, I was intimidated that moment because I was like, oh, this guy's serious. Like, (laughs) I don't have anything. And I had lists of historical figures and I had lists of comedians and I had ideas and I knew how, I was like, I was like, I know how to set this thing up. Here's what we're going to do. And we pitched the idea to Nerdist, the theater that we worked for. And at that time, Hannah Crichton, Hannah Kyle Crichton was running it. She now, I believe she now books JFL, Just for Laughs. And she worked for, I want to say Conan, for a while, booking acts. And we pitched it. And she was like, this is a great idea, but you guys have no track record. You've never done anything here. Can you fill a venue? Can you book comedians? She's like, here's what we're going to do. And at this time, the Nerdist Improv School and the Nerd Melt Theater were trying to develop a better... They were run separately. To the day they ended, they were run completely separately, but they were trying to forge a relationship. And we were a test. We were going to be the first thing where they kind of piloted us at Nerdist School and if we did well, they would graduate graduate us to the Nerd Melt Theater. Kind of like the comedy store has three rooms, right? right, right? right. They have the belly room for small shows. They have the OR, which is stand-ups all night. And they have the main room, if you can really sell out. Right. We did five shows at the Nerdist Theater. Uh, our very first show was Abraham Lincoln. We had Pat Riley play Abe Lincoln and John Ungaro play John Wilkes Booth. And they did a bit that played on the fact that Abe Lincoln was a professional wrestler. Mm-hmm. Right? You know that? Yeah. Abe Lincoln was a professional wrestler he had a this. 300 and a 300 no record and he lost his last fight he was 301. And this is back when it was like strong man actually fighting fighting yeah and then he became president and Pat Riley hoisted John Ungaro onto his shoulders did an airplane spin and then effectively a Samoan drop and <laughs> dropped him on the ground and we were like oh my god I hope John's okay but it was like we're off and running. We did five shows there. Abe Lincoln, JFK, Benjamin Franklin, Lucille Ball. And then we played with the format for the first time. We did a joint roast of Caesar and Cleopatra. and At the end of Sle- Caesar and Cleopatra, Julian M. Stern did a rap as Caesar. And that's when my head blew up. And I was like, oh, my God, this show can be anything. This show can be anything. We could do whatever we wanted because we it was an open format. We were making it up as we went along. Mm-hmm. And the next month is when we were invited up. We graduated. We went up to the Nerd Melt stage and we roasted Walt Disney. Um, and Melissa Villa Senior played Mickey Mouse. And we had Beth Stelling, who's now writing it on Crashing. And she has uh, one of those Netflix 30-minute specials out. And we met producers from South by Southwest that night, like all instantaneously. Um. And in a beautiful point of symmetry, our last show there, we roasted Disney villains. So the first night in the Nerdist Disney. Theater was Walt Disney, and the last night was Disney villains. That's awesome. Um, so we ran there for just about two years. Um, the show's been going on three and a half years. We grew from just historical figures to fictional characters, because early on, we were like, well, should we roast Santa Claus? Should we roast Superman? i like, separate show. Keep Again, one of those, like, keep it in the back of your head. And a year into doing hi- historical roast at Nerd Melt, we grew to fictional roast. We roasted Harry Potter. We had Justin Wilman play Harry Potter. Mm-hmm. Uh, we grew, and in that same month, we did. We started playing at the comedy store. We know all the guys from Roast Battle. We've had them on our show a hundred times. And so we got invited to the comedy store, and we roasted dead comedians there.
2: And, and now you have Jokers and Aces, which is yes. another brand as well, where yep. it's kind of comedians and magicians.
1: Yep. We do three comedians and three magicians on every show. Just kind of split the time. I'm a huge magic fan. It's one of the few art forms too. I I specifically chose not to dive into. I love wrestling. I now work in wrestling. I'm a referee. I know how the sausage is made entirely. In fact, I help make the sausage with magic. I've always been like, please don't tell me. I just want to, I just want to be a kid for 10 more minutes. But then I was, I got friends with Taylor Hughes and Taylor Hughes performs regularly at the magic castle. And we met, Hollywood story we met on a, a set of an industrial where they were shooting a quote unquote Vegas style promo he played a magician and I played blue man group nice. they yeah. painted my bald head blue we loved each other and he started doing a podcast so he had me on as a guest and then one day I was just like what if we just did comedians and magicians on the same show because there's the, I've comedy and magic go together yeah. not just yeah. in the same thing but like it's the same rhythm yeah Comedy is, magic is, I have a, it's, it's building suspense. It's building tension to a reveal, right? You build tension, you reveal the right. ta-da. In comedy, you're building tension to the reveal of the punchline. The punchline right. is the big reveal moment. So it's the same beats. And I was just like, I think we should, there's no other show where they're doing just 50-50 booking. Right. And there's no other place but the Magic Castle to see magicians as easily and regularly. So we developed that. We started doing Jokers and Aces there. We did that for seven months before it stopped. Um, We're still looking for a new venue for that as well. Um,
2: And uh, when is your next show? Do you have any shows coming up?
1: Yes. So Meltdown closed down and it closed down the day. Like we were informed, we heard rumblings the night of our last show on a Tuesday night when we were doing Disney villains, but we both put it out of our heads wednesday morning we woke up to an email that said the theater's closing the april show we were booked we were going to roast andre the giant in april because it was right after the documentary came right. out and they were like we're closing you're done that was your last show goodbye it was, it was, Gosh, it was basically God. that curve but it was almost Jeez. also because they were shocked they didn't know they were closing until last minute um we found a new venue so we're going to be uh, we're taking our show to dynasty typewriter which is downtown They're a brand new venue. This is their opening season. They kind of did a soft opening for the last six months. Adam Sandler did a residency there um, to prepare for his Netflix show. So he's doing a Netflix special and he did like a weekend there to prep for it. Um, And we're lucky. We're fortunate. We have two shows there. July 3rd at 8 p.m. We're roasting JFK. Uh, Friends of the show Matt McCarthy and Scout Derwood are on the show. We're in the midst of finishing the booking. But July 3rd at 8 p.m. We're roasting JFK. Then July 17th at 10 p.m., we're back at the comedy store. Now, playing the comedy store alone should have been my I made it moment. Like, we brought our own show to the comedy store. We've been there plenty. Like, mm-hmm. we've been there 10 times, I think. Um, I should remember how many mm-hmm. shows we've done there. Uh, but we're back there July 17th and we're roasting World War II. So we have a panel of Hitler, Stalin, FDR, Churchill, Mussolini, Truman, Joe Lewis. Did they say Einstein?
0: I think no. no.
1: Einstein. Incredible lineup. We have Sarah Benincasa, Matt McCarthy, Jeremiah Watkins, who's tailor made to for Saturday Night Live. It's one of the most talented guys I know. But those are our upcoming shows.
0: Nice. It's nice. fantastic, man. Yeah. Uh thank you so much for such like a wonderful conversation. Um, I mean, I think we've all kind of, we've had highs and we've had some great, uh, just deep moments. uh, And that's definitely what this show is about. So thank you both for your honesty and your openness uh, uh, in these conversations. I really appreciate it. Uh, Michael, thank you, as always, for being (laughs) here and being around. Definitely. Eddie. Definitely want to have you back,
2: like yeah. maybe yeah. with Ryan or with a, a fellow comedian and we can have that conversation yeah. about stand up. Stand up.
1: Absolutely. I'd love to. Yeah. Yeah, we really had to condense there at the end for time. I can I can talk a bit. I, I can <laughs> fill some time. So yeah, I would come back anytime. I appreciate it. Awesome.
0: Thank you so much. Uh before we go, yeah. we have one tradition here that we do a lot. Good. Uh, uh after Friendster and before Facebook, there was a wonderful place where people wasted a lot of time called MySpace. Uh, you would go and go on a profile and someone would play What If God Was One Of Us, which would make their profile take 20 minutes to load on Uh. dial-up. Best friends, uh, uh, top six and top eight friends list were a point of contention uh, between people. You weren't friends if you weren't on the top eight. Uh, And also through here, you could waste time by just taking mundane, going nowhere survey questions. And it wasn't like surveys now on BuzzFeed where you get a score or an answer. It was literally just for you to write down and share with people. Yes. And so I found one of those surveys. Nice. It was 167 questions. I asked you before we started for six numbers. Uh, you gave them to me. I did not tell you why. Uh, and I have your questions. Eddie Firth, are you ready to take your MySpace quiz? Absolutely. Now, just to let you know, none of this needs explanation. Okay, good. That's what makes us so good. It's just answer and we move on. <clears throat> That's going to be tough for me. Question one. <laughs> Last time you cried. I
1: cried two nights ago while we were watching lost and Bernard and Rose were reconnected. And that gets me every time. It was the first time they come back together from uh, the two tails, the tail and the fuselage.
0: That's a good one. Number 32. What was your first vacation that you remember?
1: Going to Lake George, New York uh, with my family.
0: All right. Question number 33. First school you went to.
1: Brookdale preschool on Brookdale Road in Stanford, Connecticut, in the basement of a church.
0: Nice. Uh, question 108. What makes you happy?
1: Standing on a stage with a microphone.
0: Question 123. Have you ever slipped on ice? Oh, my God. Yeah, hell yeah. Oh, my God, yeah. <laughs> Connecticut? Are you fucking kidding me? Why do you think I left? <laughs> no more ice. And Eddie Firth, your final question for your MySpace quest, number 154. Do you wear makeup?
1: Not usually.
0: <laughs> All right. There you go. Ladies <laughs> and gentlemen, Mr. Eddie Fur. thank you so much, sir. I appreciate it more than anything for you to come on and, and chat with us. Again, Michael, thank you, guys. Thank you, folks, for everybody listening. Check out Historical Roast, Fictional Roast, Jokers and Aces is there a website
1: that they can go to eddie uh check out facebook instagram and twitter those are the best there you go we should get rid of we should all get off of facebook get off the portal get back into actual web but
0: i I vote for aol chat rooms to come back ladies and gentlemen thank you so much for listening back to you guys in the studio It was so great to talk to Eddie for as long as we did, and I know we're going to have him back on the show. He was just so much fun and so engaging and just was able to share so much about his story and the career he does and what it takes. And I know I want to get him back to go more in depth in, in how you write jokes and, and, and what it takes to be a stand-up comic, uh, to go more into the technical stuff of it. Um, you know, delivery and, and, and you know, uh, how to write a joke and how to deal with audience members and 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 how to feel out audience members and things like that. So I really want to have him back for that later next year and uh, for season three, possibly. But um, it was so great to talk to him. And I think it's so interesting when, you know, one of the things I really love about this episode is how all three of us really kind of talk about our love for Los Angeles. And Why we are committed to staying here, and how you truly do—it's a love-hate relationship. There are definitely parts of Los Angeles I do not care for, but in the end, you you really love it here. You do enjoy being here. I could not see myself living, maybe anywhere else except maybe in New York. That's it, and that's just who I am. That's part of you know that I like living in cities. You know, I know some people don't, and that's fine. That's that's I totally understand that, but. I really it was nice to kind of just hear us talk about those things again and really express why we are OK living here, why we enjoy living here other than just pursuing this path that we're going down. And and, and I think it's something to think about, like where you live, like why do you love living where you live? What is it about your town, your city that you love? I'd love to hear about that again. Email us Hollywood Hustle podcast at Gmail dot com. Why do you love your city? Uh, maybe I'll post something on our social media this week. Because I think it's great to remember why you love where you live. Now, Michael couldn't be here today. Uh, We—he's been incredibly busy with work and his uh, the upcoming performance of Medigan coming up. Uh, also, it was his fiance's birthday this week, so he's been crazy busy. I've been busy with uh, work, uh, finding work, and uh, some other things that I'll talk about in a minute. But uh, so Michael sent in some of his clips uh, for what he's been up to this week. So Michael. Take it away, brother.
2: Hey, guys. Michael here. Uh, So sorry that I couldn't sync up with Daniel this week. As Daniel was just saying, it has been a crazy, crazy week, not only just in my daily job, my daily hustle working in the medical office, but this week, as some of our listeners may be aware, I had a command performance for the Hollywood Fringe show that I was in this past summer, Met Again. Uh, we were contacted by a producer uh, at the Soho uh, Playhouse out in New York City. He apparently has been going to all of the fringe festivals across the United States and has been inviting uh, shows that he really likes back to his theater in New York City and has been offering them limited runs. And he came back to Los Angeles because he came to the Hollywood Fringe Festival in June, but apparently he missed out on some shows that he wanted to see, and Met Again was one of the shows that he really wanted to see. So uh, as I've been kind of discussing the past couple of weeks here on the podcast, we've been rehearsing, we've been retooling things, taking time to uh, reconnect certain moments, and uh, just this past weekend, it it happened on uh, Saturday, This podcast is going to be released on Tuesday. So just this past weekend, I had my command performance, and it was incredible. It felt amazing. All the moments that we had worked on uh, was there, and it just felt so great to be back in this show, to be working with these people again uh, that I just love working with, and had a fantastic show. Uh, Anna Karen, my fiancé, still working on saying that word in that particular order my fiance she's seen the show now so many times over the summer and she said that this was actually her favorite run of it so uh, that's got to say something and then also complete surprise a couple of my friends shout out to Taryn and Zach uh, there are some of my closest friends in Northern California they actually drove all the way down to Sacramento to see my to see the show and then I had friends from a uh, production of Train Spotting that I did f- several years back. Uh, they came out to support. So it was just a sold out house of this show that I love. And I think we just gave it our all. It, we didn't give it just for this producer, for this potential opportunity to go perform in New York City. We performed the show as much as we always have done with our hearts fully in it. Um, And just really, really engaged in trying our best to deliver a story that we love. So uh, we haven't heard the news yet. It's only been a couple days since that performance. So uh, cross your fingers, send good vibes my way, because that would be pretty amazing. But grateful that this show has just kept coming back and again and again, uh, no pun intended. Uh, And I'm just thankful to be a part of it. So... That's been kind of going on in my world. As Daniel was also saying, Anna Karen turned 30. So if you want to wish her a happy birthday, she's on Instagram at A-R-T underscore Anna Karen, A-N-A-K-A-R-E-N. Uh, send her a happy birthday from me and us here at the podcast. Uh, but just had an amazing Sunday spending time with her family and got to watch the movie Hereditary, uh, the scary movie that came out this past year. And whoo, my goodness. That movie. I'm probably going to talk with Daniel about this off mic next time we get together. But that film, guys, if you haven't seen it, go watch it. It is so good. But yeah, that's pretty much it for me, guys. Uh, Just focusing on Met again and enjoying some time to reconnect with close friends and family. So uh, I'll send it on back over to
1: Mr. Tuttle.
0: Awesome, man. I'm I'm so glad things are going at least strong for you. I know you've been super busy and exhausted, and and going through a lot of emotions dealing with work and things like that. But you know, I I really respect how hard you're working to not only survive but make money for your wedding and save money for your wedding. Uh, it really is something that I respect uh, about you. And uh, especially this idea that you go to a job that you don't particularly care for as much. I know we've talked, and working for this new doctor has kind of helped that a little bit, but I really do respect it, and I, I know that it's going to get you, it's going to at least help you leapfrog to where you want to be next. And so keep going, buddy. Keep hustling, and I believe in you. And I'm I'm so excited to hear about how your show goes next week um, and, and uh, hopefully hear about you going to New York. So best of luck. Break a leg, brother. All right. So, the big things going on with me, uh, I am working on continuing to build my collaborative team here in Los Angeles. I've had a few meetings recently with some people, just kind of discussing how we can work together in the future on certain projects. Um, that, especially, you know, again, with Michael coming on board, hopefully, on some of them, and just really trying to find that group, kind of that Seth Rogen a uh, group that you have, the Adam Sandler type group that you can just constantly rely on to do good work and just hungry to make things. And so I've really tried to push to find that group this year. Um, and finally, it's kind of slowly coming out. After meeting a lot of people, those things are coming to the surface. And uh, so I'm really excited about that. Um, I'm also very excited because I'm starting a new collaboration. Uh, with my good friend Mikey, who we had on the show, Mike Tobias, uh, the poet that we talked to. Uh, me and him are, him and I, sorry, bad grammar, him and I are working on a new short film together. Um, it's an idea that I, I had that I felt needed, I needed someone else to come on that has a really good focus on uh, philosophy and uh, the human and human nature. And I felt Mikey really has that. He reads a lot. He has a great perception of humankind and and really an empathy for humanity. And I think uh, he's a really good person and he's a good writer. So having him on to help me kind of flesh this out and write the scenes, I think. And we've been wanting to collaborate for a while now. Um, and we've had a few ideas that have tossed back and forth, but nothing's landed. And I think this is going to be the thing that we can do together. So I'm really excited about that to work with him in this capacity um, and really create something special because I'm really excited about this project, this film. Anyways, it's the beginning of the week. It's, It's Monday or it's Tuesday. Now you maybe had a great Monday. Hopefully maybe you had a bad Monday. Hopefully the weekend was restful, but again, you're back in the beginning of the week and I know that can be, hard sometimes. And sometimes you can start struggling with, well, what do I do this week to keep pushing and to keep hustling and moving my career forward? So we want to bring you our hustle support statements to kind of celebrate what you're doing and offer some advice and inspiration to get you through this week so that you can make it and move just a little further uh, every week. So Michael, what you got? What's your hustle statement? Go. Go.
2: This week on the show, I opened up a lot to you and Daniel and Eddie about how I was really doing at the beginning of this year. How I felt this deep sense of unrest and depression and just felt encased in a feeling that I can only describe as the unknown. Looking back, I can see that I was in the thick of finally coming to terms with my head injury from last August. I was no longer in the acting class that had become my new creative home, and I felt lost in knowing how to express myself. Where had that fire gone? Why was I afraid? And and was it okay that I felt so alone? But through the love of the people around me, Anna Karen, Daniel, Heidi, and Eddie, I got through it. They gave me permission to feel, and I accepted their love. I knew I wasn't alone. And little did I know that an audition for a show called Met Again was just around the corner, and that that experience would not only pull me up, but awaken me to the things most important on this path. Love and creativity. There is no show without rehearsal, and no destination without a journey. Dare to feel and to embrace the moments when you feel like you can't go further, and know that... I am right there with you, cheering you on. You can do it. You can make it. And you will be so proud that you did. I love you guys so much. And thank you for being there. Thank you so much for listening to me and being a major part of the healing process since last August. And... You know, I actually did have a moment a couple weeks ago on August 28th was the anniversary, the one-year anniversary from that injury. And it is incredible how far I've grown and learned in this year. And this community, the guests that we've had, and Daniel and you are all a part of that healing process for me. And I want to extend myself to you. So if you feel like you're going through something and you don't know what to do, if you feel like you're at your wit's end and you, and you don't know why the words aren't flowing or if the feeling that you're trying to play and perform isn't naturally coming, I am here for you. Please reach out. As Daniel has mentioned, uh, our email is hollywoodhustlepodcast at gmail.com. And I would love to be there to support you as you have been there to support me. So I love you guys and thank you.
0: All right. Thank you, Michael. I I mean, hearing stuff like that is why we do this and just so inspirational and so just gets you fired up for the week. So thank you, Michael. Thank you for that. Here's my hustle support statement for you guys. Five years ago, my fiance and I made a decision to leave everything we had known for almost three decades to make a new start for ourselves and the family we would begin here in L.A. We left friends and family so that I could pursue this insane career in a place where I had the best shot. I remember getting in the car, the back seat and trunk packed to the nth degree with some of our stuff and a small spot in the back reserved for our dog, Griffin. I remember taking a deep breath before turning the key to start the ignition. And I remember driving down the highway thinking, what are you doing? This is insane. You have no idea what awaits you 2,200 miles from here. It was probably the scariest thing I've ever done in my life. And could not have done it without the support of my fiance and knowing a few people here in LA already. Five years later, I have zero regrets for making that decision. I still miss my friends and seeing my family when I want, especially for babysitting needs with the little guy, but it was totally worth it. I say this for anyone out there who may be one step away from moving to Los Angeles or to New York or wherever to pursue that career that you are dying to have. Fear is not worth it. The unknown is not a bottomless pit. It's a blind date with someone you won't know how you fit together until you try. Do not let fear keep you from your dream. Let it drive you. Let it encourage you to pull the trigger and begin to hustle. You cannot do this business anywhere else than Los Angeles or New York City. Not until you at least become Sandra Bullock or Matthew McConaughey or any other A-lister that can live wherever they want. So push through the fear, save the money, make the plan. Pack the car, take a deep breath before you turn the key, and start that journey towards that new career that you want, that you dream of. Trust me, it's worth taking the leap. Thank you. Thank you. It's weird when it's just me. <laughs> Thank you. I'm just pretending like there's a people applauding around. Um, but anyway, guys, yes. Uh, we want to hear your thoughts about where you live, about the Me Too movement and how we, you know, we start looking at, you know, re- reforming people and bringing people back into the fold. We want to hear your thoughts on that. So, Hollywood Hustle Podcast at gmail.com. Uh, that's where you can get a hold of us. Also on social media, you can get a hold of Eddie if you want to talk to him more about stand-up comedy, historical or fictional roast, New York, things like that. Contact him on Twitter at Eddie Firth, that's F-U-R-T-H, or on Instagram, I am Eddie Firth. And you can also visit his website, I am Eddie Firth dot Wix, site W-I-X-S-I-T-E dot com. You can also follow us on Instagram, Michael Lutheran is Michael Lutheran on all uh, platforms. And I am Daniel Tuttle, T-U-T-T-E-L, on all platforms as well. You can also follow this podcast if you're not. Why are you not following us yet? On Twitter, we are at LA Hustlecast, and on Instagram, we are Hollywood Hustle Podcast. Same on Facebook. Follow us, engage with us. We want to talk to you. We want to hear your thoughts, your dreams, what you're doing. Uh, we ask questions. We post inspirational quotes. We share other people's hustles. So we want to hear from you guys. So please follow us. We want to talk to you. Uh, also, don't forget every Monday. We come out with smaller versions of our show called Side Hustle Previews. These are little previews of the episode coming up the next day to just give you a smaller uh, option if maybe your day's, your week's too busy to listen to an hour-and-a-half episode. You can just take 15 minutes to stop, relax, and listen, or that 15, 20-minute drive. You can listen to the small version with a few meat and potatoes of the episode uh, with just some great information. That way you don't feel like you missed anything for the week. But then maybe also we'll hype you up to listen to the longer version when you have a chance. And also remember, it's a podcast. You can stop and go with your podcast listening and just start right back up. Also, make sure to subscribe to our channel. It really helps us the more subscribers we have. And also, leave a review if you have not. It really does help if you leave a review on iTunes, uh, letting us know what you think of the show, what you think of us. Um, We hope it's five stars and a great review. We understand if it's not. We'll take that to heart and we'll work on it. So uh, definitely leave us a review. That's really important. Now, if you really enjoy what we do and you're sharing uh, the, 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 the the hustle show with everyone telling everybody about Hollywood Hustle Podcast, we truly appreciate that. Word of mouth is a great way to get people on board. Uh, if you'd like to support us more, uh, you can donate on our website. There's a donate button. You can contribute to the show and, and our growth. There with a one-time or a reoccurring donation. Uh, We're also looking at some other ways that you can support and help us. So keep your ears out for that coming soon. Uh, Also, don't forget radportfolios.com. We have teamed up with these guys. They are so nice and so awesome. They make websites tailored towards artists. That is what they do. They are here for you. There is a one-time startup cost and then a monthly fee. If you go now and you use our keyword hustle, you'll get a discount on the startup cost and be supporting the show and a great company. So definitely radradportfolios.com because stop worrying about a website when you can start getting booked while they handle that. So go do that. Trust me, it's worth it. It's an amazing website uh, company and just great people that work there. Next week, we go back to the East Coast to introduce you to social media consultant and coach Heidi Dean. Heidi started her creative path as an actress where she had a great reputation and booked role after role. Then Heidi found a new path that she was drawn to, social media marketing. Now Heidi consults and coaches creatives and businesses on how to succeed on social media. Do not miss this incredibly fun and educational discussion on how artists do and should use social media to make sure they achieve that hashtag actor's life. Guys, this has been another episode. Thank you so much. I love you. Michael loves you. We are just so honored that you listen to us every week and listen to our interviews. We're so honored that people come on here and talk to us and share their journey and their experiences with you. Um, It means a lot to us. I know hopefully it means a lot to you. I know it does to some of you. Um, It inspires me every time we get to set. We're not done yet. We have several more interviews coming out in the coming, uh, coming weeks, plus a few more team hustles, maybe a game hustle here. Uh, or there. So do not miss it. And we have our end of the year, uh, year in review episode coming in November with some special guests. Super excited about that. And we're working on season three, and it's going to be amazing. So guys, we love you. We, We wish nothing but the best for you. We support you. We're cheering you on. And so always remember to keep up the hustle.